We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start. Start winning. Hello. We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here to look at week 14 in the AFC East. Chris? This is supposed to be a week where we made up ground. Nope. Uh, look at the standings. New England. You got the Patriots at nine and four, the Bills at seven and six, the Dolphins six and seven, and the Jets at three and ten. The Patriots breathed a sigh of relief as Tom Brady helped ensure that the Bills couldn't tie their record, or at least uh, get one step closer to tying it while they were on the bye. Two full games ahead of Buffalo, they're going to have two stiff tests ahead of them on the schedule, and after that, they're on cruise control. For Buffalo, dropping that game in Tampa Bay certainly felt huge, but the Bills maintained second place in the AFC East in the playoff spot, thanks to the fact that the AFC North is a tire fire. Their destiny is still in their hands, but we all have to question for how long. Miami, the Dolphins were also on a bye this week. And as they flirt with playoff contention, they have a number of tests remaining, just just not this week. And the Jets. The Jets lost once again. And without yet another one of their rookie players, they're going to take on the second hottest team in football as they head to South Beach. And so here to talk to us about that 
as always, just just, just a, a good soldier, <laughs> Scott Mason <laughs> from Play Like a Jet. They lost to the Saints thirty to nine. Scott, I, how are you feeling today? Well, as I'm often say to you guys, the only thing I really care about now is seeing Zach Wilson play well, and he played very poorly. So not great. Here's one of the things. I, I, just to start this conversation off right, Taysom Hill isn't a good passer. How the hell were they no. able to manufacture yardage against your defense? Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that because in the lead-up to the game, I said numerous times on the show, Kamara was coming back. We know exactly what the Saints are going to do. They're going to run the ball with Taysom Hill, and they're going to run the ball with Alvin Kamara because Taysom Hill can't throw the ball more than about 5 to 10 yards. That's all he's capable of. He's basically like a worse version of Mike White in that way. And so we figured the Jets would sell out to stop the run and force Taysom Hill to beat them passing the ball. I guess the Jets didn't get the memo because Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and whoever the third running back is, whose name I can't recall, had over 200 yards rushing, and they couldn't stop the Saints. And this has been a persistent problem. As you guys know, the Bills are not exactly a great rushing offense, but they were able to put up yards against the Jets. And Jets have just had all kinds of problems stopping the run. But you would think that knowing that Taysom Hill isn't even a threat, really, in the passing game, I mean, I think he was something like 14 of 21 for 175 yards, which is like JV-level stuff, that they would have just – done everything they could, seal off the box and and make Taysom Hill beat you with his arm, I don't know what happened, but they didn't do that, and Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara basically did exactly what we thought they would try to do, which is stuff the ball down the Jets' throat. And that was it. That was all the Saints needed to do was an easy win for them. To be fair, this thing was actually pretty competitive until late in the game, so the, the score looks weird because the Saints got a lot of those points at the end. But it was only competitive because both teams are bad offensively. Like, well, the yeah. Jets, we know what the story is there. Their two best running backs are out. No Michael Carter, no Tevin Coleman. Their two best receivers are out. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, nothing there. Their best offensive lineman arguably has been out for the entire season. So it's not like Wilson had a lot to work with, but... He was bad, the offense was bad, and the Saints offense, which isn't very good, did the one thing that it's capable of, which is run the ball well. So I have two philosophical questions for you, and the first one is, is this more demoralizing that this was the same team that another team in your division, the Bills, recently dominated in every phase of the game? I mean, I'm thinking about this from a Jets perspective. A team that ran roughshod over us that an, a divisional opponent that we're hoping to catch up to just handed their lunch a few weeks ago. Does it do a lot to illustrate just how wide the gap is between the teams at the top of the division and the Jets where they are currently? It's funny. I was just talking to a friend of the Rockpile Report and the AFC's Roundup, Alfar Tiaga, who's on the show this week to do Know Your Foe to preview the Dolphins, give us an inside look at them. And I said to him about the only thing that ended up being predictable in the AFC East this year is that the Jets are the worst team (laughs) by far. And everybody kind of expected that because you thought, all right, the Patriots, 
they were seven and nine last year. Rookie quarterback. It's still Belichick. They improved. They'll probably be like eight and eight or something. The Dolphins and the Bills will battle for the division, and the Jets will win. You know, maybe four or five games. And basically, the only part of that that came true was the Jets maybe winning four or five games. They might even may not even win that many. The Dolphins started off horribly. Now they're on a winning streak, and all of a sudden. Don't look now, but they're knocking on the door and they're only one game out of a playoff spot. The Bills, uh, they ended up not putting up as many wins as we were expecting, and I'm sure you guys have talked about that plenty. And now they're on the edge of the playoffs. The Patriots are a surprise in a way, but I think more people thought they'd at least be decent. The Jets, being what they are, is not a surprise. The really only demoralizing thing at this point, truthfully, is the injuries and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's the number one most demoralizing thing. I haven't given up on him at all, obviously. I mean, it's way too early, and I still think he's got everything you need to become a franchise quarterback. It's just, is he going to be able to put it together? We're obviously, at this point, not going to have that answer, because even if he goes on a great run the next four games, there's still going to be questions going into next season. You need to put it all together consistently. And the other demoralizing thing, obviously, is the younger players that we started to enjoy watching got hurt. Elijah Moore is going to be out for at least the next couple of weeks. Who knows? He may end up missing the rest of the season. It's demoralizing that Michael Carter has been gone a couple of weeks because he was starting to be fun to watch. And looks like he's probably going to be back against Miami, but that's really it. As far as the wins and the losses, it, I don't care anymore. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm fully in tank mode right now yeah. i just want to see zach wilson play well and i think the jets are just better off losing these games as long as wilson plays well because ultimately they need a lot and the higher their draft spots are the better the winning any of these four games isn't going to do anything for them and so if they can get up high enough to get either aiden hutchinson or Kayvon thibodeau and then with the seattle pick hopefully get somebody meaningful and then they've got their own pick in the second round and see uh, excuse me carolina's pick which is getting better and better every week thank you matt rule that's really where, where i'm at with this i want to see zach wilson play well the next four games anything beyond that to, if i may quote uh, uh one of the uh great bands of the last 20 years or so muse i'm dead inside <laughs> i say that every week on our podcast i go listen i'm embracing my inner <laughs> nihilist now that's an interesting place to pivot to zach wilson you've often said on this podcast that it's all about growth it's all about how he grows how he's shaped and bills fans know a thing or two about that process considering we watched our current quarterback go through it back in 2018 injuries the misplaying time the the inaccuracy the questions about whether or not he can process a defense all of it but where Allen showed signs of improvement not just as a passer but also as a leader over that first season from that memorable Jaguars win to a 42 to 17 decimation of Adam Gase's Dolphins when one of them cheap shot at him. And he just said, fine, fuck <laughs> you. I'm actually going to turn your whole team upside down now. We were going to play with kid gloves. Now I'm going to turn it loose and I'm going to run for 151 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm going to throw another one and it's going to be crazy for you. <sighs> Everything I'm reading from the various Jets outlets that I turn to when I'm feeling petty. 
and I just want to be informed on our opponents. But but it more leans towards me just being a petty son of a bitch. It sounds like instead of progress, and with the failures of the players around him taken into account, from the wide receivers to the offensive line, it sounds like Wilson is regressing, and there's actually rumblings that maybe he needs to be saved from himself and bench now that there's nothing to play for so he can continue to learn while not sacrificing everybody else around him in the process. I mean, in the one piece I read, the writer comped seasons as statistically poor as his. Took a whole wide swath of them and painted with a broad brush over the last 10 years and said, listen, Matt Stafford was the only positive comp I could come away with. The rest of them are Sam Darnold, Kyle Bowler, A.J. Feely, Deshaun Kaiser, Jamarcus Russell. Between now and the end of the seasons, what are some of the reasonable places that you expect to see improvement from him, given the fact that he's got this giant negative narrative hanging over his head and that he's put so much bad film on tape? It's frustrating because, if I may quote another one of the great musical artists of our time, Paula Abdul, it feels like every single week or every single couple of games, it's one step forward, two steps back, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's essentially what it is with Zach Wilson all the time. The Eagles game, he played very well. He was efficient. You could argue that top to bottom, it was his most consistent effort. And he took what the defense gave him, and he was reading things well, and he looked confident and poised. And then you have this game against the Saints where he looked terrible again. And remember what happened with Tennessee. He played great in that game, and then the following week he was bad again. Every time you see a good game, you'll then see another bad game or two bad games in a row. So that's really the concern. The thing that's really been strange and frustrating, I think, though, is with Josh Allen, when you watched his Wyoming tape, you saw all of those flaws that you're talking about, the inaccuracy, the missed easy throws, Uh, not reading defenses, all that. And you braced yourself for it. You recognize that the Bills took this guy as just raw athletic ability, a blank canvas, and that he was going to need to be molded like a ball of clay, that he was going to need to be taught to do all of these things and really refined and fixed. And you accepted that and you figured, okay, it's going to be tough to do, but this is the plan and this is what they're going to try to do. And so let's bear with it and see what happens. That stuff wasn't on Zach Wilson's tape. He wasn't inaccurate in college and he wasn't unable to process or read a defense. And that's what's so frustrating about this. I think he's just inside his own head. And maybe what happened is that early on, especially with the Patriots, things were moving a little too quickly for him. And so he got psyched out a little bit. Maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself to make big plays. And so instead of taking what the defense gives him a lot of the times, he was trying to be a cowboy, especially early in the season. Maybe now he's aiming the ball, which has been suggested by quite a few people that Wilson is aiming the ball. I know, uh, Tim Jenkins, who's a frequent guest on Play Like a Jet, quarterback coach in Colorado, has said that. Dan Orlovsky, 
has said that it's been said by a few people that he's been aiming the ball. In fact, Wilson himself has suggested that that's sort of what he's doing. And so instead of just not thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of if you guys ever saw Major League Two. Do you remember the character Root Baker? He's yeah, a, he's my fa- he's my favorite and... character in the whole series. Right. <laughs> out of so one, you know out of of course, he is. out of one, two, what and three, he's with, with he's one of the Root best. Baker. Yeah, he he was great because he could hit, he could field. And I remember there's a scene where the manager, Jake Taylor, uh, who at the time I guess was one of the catchers, they asked him to work with Rube, and they're like, he's like, all right, I'm watching this kid. What's the problem? He's great. He's like, all right, Rube, throw the ball down to first base, and he throws the ball like 20 feet over the first baseman's head. And Taylor says to him, what the heck was that? He goes, I don't know. I just every time. And he goes, well, when you throw a guy out stealing, what are you thinking? He goes, nothing. I'm just throwing the ball. He goes, you see where I'm getting at here? And he goes, you want me to pretend like somebody's stealing first base? And he, basically the, the point was they had to find a way to get him to not think and just react. And I think that's a big part of what's going on with Zach Wilson right now. And I, I just, like I said, if you look at his tape and you talk to the people that have worked with him and – these are things that didn't pop up, and that's what is especially frustrating. So you have to hope that he finds a way to overcome this and get outside of that lack of, I guess, confidence or how unsure he is of himself. You guys have told the story. I know, Drew, you talked about this on the podcast when we discussed Brian Dable's candidacy for a head coaching position, which – I think there's probably less of a chance for him this offseason based on what we're seeing now in Buffalo, <laughs> yeah, but that's probably. a whole other story. Unfortunately for <laughs> us. But, right, right. But anyway, I remember you telling me that after that second season when Allen cost the Bills that playoff game against Houston, he really took it to heart. And what might have hurt somebody else made him stronger. And yes. he decided he went around privately traveling to work out with teammates and he busted his butt fixing his mechanic and he basically was resolved that he was going to succeed and it didn't matter what he had to do he was going to find a way to do it that everything you hear about Zach Wilson that's been the way he has approached things and that's why he improved so much at BYU and that's why he was such a dynamic player and ended up going number two you hope he continues on that path in the offseason and comes back in year number two a different quarterback because I know you guys are petty, and I respect it, <laughs> and I'm sure you won't have any pity on Jets fans, but I got to tell you, man, after all these like constant you know, great hypes, whether it was Sanchez or then Geno Smith and then Darnold, now Wilson, for this to happen again – I just don't know how much more Jets fans can take at this point. And I got to tell you, obviously, this goes without saying, but if Zach Wilson doesn't work out, Joe Douglas is probably gone. Decent chance Robert Sal is gone, and the Jets are starting all over again, which is another thing that I don't know Jets fans have the stomach for. So I worked in a Rube Baker reference. I worked in a Paula Abdul reference. I even got to uh, stoke uh, Drew's desire to make fun of Brian Dable. So I worked a lot into that answer, I think. No, you really did. You're, you're, this is why we I'm gonna love li- talking. I'm, I'm going to like it on, on Sunday when they mic up Zach Wilson and then 
you just hear him reciting Playboy articles to get him to concentrate <laughs> how to throw because that's how Rube Baker was able to throw the ball back to the pitcher is by reciting Playboy articles. Scott, Susie likes working on motorcycles, going out to parties. <laughs> Scott, we well, love. Oh my goodness, Scott, we love you. Where can people find your work on social media, and what do you have coming up over there at Play Like a Jet this week? What I have coming up is me slowly descending into madness, but I will have fresh podcasts every single day. Alfar Tiaga, your buddy of Three Yards Per Carry, he's on this week to discuss the Dolphins, and we talk about the last time he was on, things weren't looking great for the Dolphins. Now all of a sudden they're in the mix. We discuss what changed, why the Dolphins all of a sudden are playing better, and what the Jets can expect on Sunday when they travel down to Miami. We're going to have Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, to break down the film and some keys to the game. Midweek news and notes with the very big deal, Chris Chris Nimbley. We've got the post-game report with Andy Vasquez, which I believe Andy starts it off by saying, I don't even know what to say anymore. So that tells you where things are headed. Uh, We've got Brian Bassett, the Godfather of Jets podcast. Him and his boys do There's Always Next Year. So that's a fresh one. As you know... I love to do the pregame reports on Sunday. Chris Nimbley comes on. We do the over-unders, prop bets, injuries, all that. Walter Cherpinski does his picks from around the league. And we're starting to do more draft content. Wish I didn't have to at this point, but unfortunately this is the reality. So Walter Cherpinski, the OG of online year-round draft content, will be on the show to discuss the Jets draft spots right now some guys that could be in the mix for them maybe some late round sleepers we're going to be doing this a lot on a weekly basis like i said wish we didn't have to but at this point that's kind of where we're headed and you can follow me on twitter at play like a jet one download the podcast anywhere where you can get podcasts that's spotify stitcher google play apple and also check out our youtube channel the zach wilson video from last week which does show a lot of really positive traits and a lot of smart decisions by Wilson against Philly. That's up there. It got over 7,000 views so far, and that's because Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, did a fantastic job with that video. So check it out and subscribe if you haven't already. And, guys, I have to say I'm sorry that the Bills and the Dolphins are now battling for second in the division and the Patriots have pulled ahead by a significant margin Bill Belichick is like Ric Flair. No matter how many times he loses the championship, he always finds a way to get it back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. on the call we have podcasters for one of the hottest teams in the afc right now mr elf archiography three yards per carry sir how did you enjoy your bye week oh it was great get to watch all these other teams play you know no pressure whatsoever <laughs> no pressure see yeah. chris yeah. doesn't it sort of feel like after all the bullshit the dolphins have been through this year they almost earned a week like this yeah, you get to celebrate. Get to celebrate. You're almost a 500. You're almost a 500 football team. You're you're in the hunt and moving up because of everybody else's gross failures. It's, yeah, we got it, the Jets coming up. This is. I feel like it's still going to continue. Here's here's the here's where I want to start this entire conversation for the evening. You guys coming off the bye week. You're what I'm assuming is a little bit healthier than you went into it. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Except that COVID has ravaged our running back room. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's face it. Who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, were, were your running backs really that special to begin with? I don't think that was the strong. Yeah, they're going to roll out. Yeah, they're going to roll out like Duke Johnson and and who knows who else. This they're going to call you and put you but, out yeah. there. They're going to call you and be like, Alf, we just need you to suit up. Take like five, six carries. Can you do that? All right. Perfect. Yeah, and and what I like is that everybody's saying, oh, the, you know, they're all vaccinated, and I'm like, okay, so some of them could be back by Sunday. I'm like, ah, who cares? You know, keep them healthy for the stretch run. The stretch you run. Know? Well, this is it. This is the craziest thing, and I, it's it's all I could think about when I was doing my show prep on on Monday. Just bitter, just bitter. <laughs> I'm a bitter man, and I'm looking around and I start laughing because it, it dawns on me, no team has ever made the playoffs after starting 1-7. and seven. It has legitimately mm-hmm. never in NFL history happened. And yet, Chris, we're on the doorstep of history because the Dolphins are flirting with that. I mean, with the Bills' loss and the Bengals' loss, uh, the, the Bengals dropping out of the playoff picture entirely thanks to tiebreakers, the Dolphins, I mean, still because of that five-game losing streak that they opened the season with, you're at 13th place in the AFC, but there are a lot of roads that get you to where you want to go, and they, none of them seem that implausible. And your schedule ahead doesn't look that daunting. Among the fan base, among your listeners, you know, you guys on your podcast, is this starting to feel more and more like a? Because it felt like a pipe dream, right? You know, you go into the bye week and you're saying, "Okay, we're winning. That's great. Obviously, we'd like to see development of our players." Now, all of a sudden, when you're watching some of these teams that we all thought were great, like the Bengals, they just keep falling on their face. The Ravens just are ravaged by injuries. Who knows how many more games they're going to lose down the stretch here because their schedule is not friendly. Plus, if it came down to a tiebreaker, Miami's got that. They beat them. That's what I'm saying. Like, is this starting to feel like it might come to fruition for you guys? Some people are starting to expect it. And what I've, and what I've told them to look at is, you know, forget you know, that they're 13th. Look at the win column. You're one game back from being right in there for the last playoff spot, right? And then look at the games that are coming up. Most of these people, most of these teams are playing each other. And then my favorite is this. 
Go look at the Kansas City Chiefs remaining schedule. It's a hit list of everybody in front of Miami. So the Kansas City Chiefs, who are playing probably the best football in all of the AFC, screw the the Patriots, you know. If you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they get to beat them all. They get to just beat everybody in front of Miami, and if Miami could just keep taking care of business, wow. they'll ease right into one of those last playoff spots. You aren't shitting me. Chris just pulled up the schedule. Uh, Chiefs Chargers this week, Steelers Chiefs, Bengals Chiefs, Broncos Chiefs. The Chiefs, th- I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking in my head, Master Blaster. Master Blaster from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. The, the Chiefs are our fullback, and the Dolphins are the tailback going into the into the playoffs. You guys that, are going to be it. you guys are going to be riding their back on into the playoffs if the Chiefs really do maintain this hot streak they're on. And I mean, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of things that point to the fact that they might be. I mean, we've heard all the playoff talking about teams heating up and who can and who can't. Well, the biggest thing for the Chiefs was that their offense isn't, their offense still isn't the dominant unit that it's been in years past. They're lacking a lot of the skill players that you need to run the type of dominant offense that they have been for a while. They have Tyreek Hill, who's having kind of an up and down year. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. He's still elite. But the problem is they have no size at any of the other wide receiver positions. And that's coming back to haunt them because teams are figuring out if we just play physical with those other wide receivers, they're not open very often. You jam them at the line, you get your safeties down, and you kind of cover in those short zones, and you apply pressure, and you hope that that's enough to get you in. And their offensive line has been up and down, so teams have been able to find some success in that regard. At the same time... Their defense has finally hit their stride, and a lot of it revolves around that Melvin Ingram trade. They now have been able to move Chris Jones back to defensive tackle where he belongs instead of defensive end, and now their defensive line is just beating up their opponents. You saw it. They ate the Raiders for lunch. That's all it is. They just they ate the Raiders yeah. up front, and that was the end of their day. They could have only scored 20 points in that game. And it would have been enough to embarrass them, but they poured it on, I think, because of what the Raiders did pregame. Like, you don't hold a pregame meeting on our logo when you're a team that has the amount of pride that the Chiefs do. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah. it's calling down the thunder. So I see this and I say to myself, there is a realistic opportunity for the Miami Dolphins to be a t- playoff team. It's crazy to me. I, the defense is playing well. I mean, what do you think it's going to take down the stretch for Miami here? I mean, let's talk about this week's game, right? The COVID bug, your running back room. That's, that's a nightmare scenario for most teams going into a game if you weren't playing one of the worst teams in football, right? Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at the depth chart that they released today, the Dolphins have one running back on the depth <laughs> chart, Duke Johnson. That's it. Just one guy. Okay. But, you know, they should get one of those other guys back, and maybe they bring up Jared Dokes off the practice squad, who was a guy they drafted in the seventh round, and maybe you want to see him play. So, you know, it they're kind of healthy. They're kind of one of the healthier teams in the AFC. And it's funny, you talked about Kansas City. Uh, Miami is the poor man's version of the Kansas City Chiefs because both teams have pretty good defense, and both teams have offenses that are just not, very good right now, but they're heavily relying on their quarterbacks to get them through. Uh, 
they're slightly different. Kansas City, you know, gets by with big plays. Dolphins get by with efficiency. But yeah, it's you know, it's it's right in front of them. They're getting a lot of help. Everybody's eye- eyeballing that, and nobody should be looking ahead. Okay, the Dolphins got to take care of business first. But everybody's looking ahead at, at the Armageddon game in Week 17 against Ryan Tannehill in in Tennessee. That's the big one. Everybody's pointing at that one because everybody's pointing at it as if it's a Ryan Tannehill revenge game. Although you know we did him a favor, we traded him to a team that got him contending for a couple of years, right? Which is crazy to me that you guys jettisoned him off the roster to a team that just said, hey, hey, buddy, I know you've been beat up down there and suffering. Do you want to go win some football games? And he just took off. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, he's playing like a man that I ne- I saw Ryan Tannehill's career firsthand. <laughs> he sucked in a lot of games against Buffalo. But he was also put in a lot of bad positions with, with a lot of bad supporting casts. The- There has to be a little bit of, I'm sure on his front, there probably isn't a whole lot of quote-unquote revenge in mind, because to him, you guys letting him go might have been one of the best things that ever happened to his career. If anything, he might walk out there and shake everybody's damn hand. Yeah, people forget you know, how it ended down here, but uh, Ryan Tannehill was really good in 2016 when, when the Dolphins made the playoffs. He was really good. Then remember, uh, toward the end of that that season, Calais Campbell cheap shotted him. Uh, let's let's face it, he, it was a cheap shot. Oh, wait, oh wait. blew out his ACL. And, and, let, and let me let me fast forward to the end where uh, Matt Moore steps in and beats the Bills on Christmas Eve in Buffalo. Yes, the Jay Ajayi game where I left the game in frustration in the late third because I was like in mid third because I was like, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I've seen this movie. I know how this ends. We're getting the hell out of here. I gotta go. I gotta go see. Have Christmas with my family. Like, I you know I remember that, and I also remember your playoff game though against the Steelers, where I left just before they burned our first pizza. They called us to tell us, and they go, "Listen, you guys, we put another sheet in for you. Just go." It was a day of playoff football. I said, "Okay, great, wonderful. We're gonna eat pizza. We're gonna drink beer. We're gonna watch playoff football." I went to the pizzeria to pick it up. That was literally five minutes, ten minutes from my house. I paid, I got the food, I got back. The whole thing took me about 25 minutes of real time. Real time, not even NFL football time. And by the time I got back, that game was already off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that was the last time you guys were competitive. So you traded him away. He goes on. I mean, I look at these teams you guys are going to play. So you're going to play him. That game's ugly. The Saints, I don't know. I mean, Taysom Hill isn't a quarterback. He's a running back who occasionally throws. He's, he's, he is, I hate to say this, but he, when I watch him run and some of the things that he does, it reminds me of Ronnie Brown. <laughs> You're a wildcat offense. Like, that's what they've kind of recreated yeah. down there right now with Taysom Hill. And then you've got the Patriots. And so with that in mind, it's not easy but you have games in front of you, and you've got this game against the Jets that just seems like it's a foregone conclusion at this point. I mean, I think that they're, you know, we just got done talking to Scott Mason about it. There are questions at quarterback. There's questions everywhere on the roster. There's injuries everywhere on the roster. There's questions about the coach on the sideline. Now they have to come to you. What is there any fear in your mind this week that you're not going to win this football game? Uh, no, uh, they've been talking about it all 
for almost two weeks, and they kind of know what's in front of them. So I kind of expect a, a pretty you know big performance from the Dolphins. Although you know you always have in the back of your mind you know it is Jets Dolphins traditionally. Uh, we talked about it the last time we played the Jets. I, I told you about our our all time series was tied going into the last game. It was at fifty five, fifty five, and one. Dolphins now have a fifty six and fifty five advantage in the all time series. So traditionally, Dolphins Jets have always been competitive. I don't expect this one to be competitive. It's going to be Zach Wilson against a defense that is getting healthier and getting better by the week. So, yeah, it's you know it's time to fatten up a little bit, right? Yeah. And going in, going into, going on the road for two very important games to set up the showdown with Mac Jones in Week 18, right? So, oh, and that's yeah. it. God, if you could sweep them. It would be even just living vicariously through you. It would be amazing. Nothing would make me happier to see them get swept by a team in their own division. Um, That's the goal. So against the spread, you guys are what, eight and a half point favorites? I know you're a gambling man, so I want to pick your brain about this. Is this a, now Chris, pay attention because you seem to lose on some real bad beats. I don't think I lose in, in bad beats. You've been doing better this year. I got to give you credit. You've been gambling smarter. I missed the the Cowboys and Redskins from from Sunday. I took Washington plus four and a half. I don't know if I'd bet on this game. Well, here and this is why I ask. I want to ask Elf because here's what I see when I look at it: eight and a half points. Well, I look at how they've played in the last, let's say, five games. What uh, thirty to nine, thirty three to eighteen, fourteen to twenty one, seventeen twenty four, forty five to seventeen against Buffalo. I just feel like like they even like they scored thirty against Indians, still lost by more than what you're talking about. Is this a game where if you wanted to make a couple bucks, you could probably take the Dolphins minus eight and a half and still turn a profit? Uh, possibly, but I would I would caution against that because Dolphins do tend to you know let their foot off the gas often. And they did the last time they played the the Jets. They took a ten point lead, and they essentially just you know folded up. Uh, they they folded up stakes, and and they you know they just ended the game. They just stopped playing really. And then the Jets, of course, did my favorite, which is the field goal with like fifteen seconds left to cut it, cut a ten point deficit to seven, <laughs> and then ruin. Ruin the, the the overplay. Uh, I mean the underplay because I think the I had it at forty last time, okay. and I think that field goal made it forty one. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's See, uh, as a reformed eight sports and a half player, is just too much for a division game. Really is as a reformed sports gambler. I I always love uh, SVP's bad beats segment. And it makes me laugh even harder when I see that Chris has bet on one of these things. Chris was actually the reason I started including this as part of each one of our week segments, just against the spread, just to see what everybody thinks. I like that he's cautioning against it. Now, Chris, does that mean you're going to put money on it? No, I don't. I mean, I don't know what couple of games I'll I'll do. I mean, I generally I'll listen to the favorites podcast from the uh, the Action Network and get some information. That way, the Action Network. Jesus yeah. Christ! Tell me that you're a degenerate gambler without telling me you're a degenerate gambler. Oh, I listen to the Action Network. <laughs> yeah, 
How do you think I've been? How do you, how do you, sports advisors. Yeah, you said sports advisors. Yeah, you said yeah. the BetQL network. Yeah, you said <laughs> you said I've been doing. Jesus I've Christ. been doing better on betting this year. Yeah, because I've, I've I've put in more time to learning about it. Alf, do you see what I deal with? This is what I deal with over yeah. here. You, though, over at your podcast, you have some excellent co-hosts. You guys have had some great content recently. I listened to your segment on Josh Allen. It was, I, I, you guys do a great job. Where can people find you on social? Where can they find your pod? Uh, you can find me at Alf underscore Artiaga, our podcast at the number three yards per carry, also on Twitter. And if you want to listen to our podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, you, you can't, you can't. Escape us. We're everywhere. Scott Mason, Alpha Artiaga, two of the best that cover the Dolphins and the Jets. They're actually going to Alf's going on Scott's podcast, and they're they're like the body Donnas. Jesus Christ! How many are there? More tag teams? There's Skip, Skip, and Zip. Oh my God! Who were uh, like aerobic gurus? Like, I remember watching wrestling in the 80s, and it was the Killer Bees. No, nobody. The Killer Bees. Killer, killer Bees. No, thank you. <laughs> give, <laughs> the, me the, give me the Body Donnas. The Body Donnas? Yes. Chris Candido, and I think it was... Is it just because your mom's first name is Donna? No. Skip, it Skip and Zip, which were uh, Chris Candido, and I think Tom Pritchard was the other one. Skip and Zip. Body Donnas. We like aerobics. We have better bodies than you. Your mom's listening to this. She's the Body Donna. All right. Hell cool. yeah. <laughs> Chris hates it when I hit on his mom. <laughs> Probably listening to this itself. Hilarious. Mrs. Kruger, if you're out here listening to this, you are a very fine-looking older woman. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. So that brings us to the Buffalo Bills, who lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, thirty-three to twenty-seven. <sighs> Obviously, you've, if you're listening to this, you've already heard our recap podcast. You've already listened to our preview podcast. You've heard everything you know about Festivus happening on December twenty-first. You know to tweet at us at Rock Power Report with your grievance about the twenty twenty-one Buffalo Bills. You could win free pizza, free barbecue sauces, and rubs, and just whatever. You you know all these things. Chris, it's a bitter loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We somehow hold a playoff spot. Because Cincinnati lost. It feels like this has been the worst month of Buffalo Bills football I've experienced in years. And yet we're somehow still in the dance with a seat at the table and a 65% chance to maintain it. Let me Let me say this. This is the worst stretch since... Four years ago, when we had that three-game losing streak, we lost to the uh, the Saints. We got blown out by the Saints and the streaker. I think you left at halftime. <laughs> stre- My favorite thing was I went to work, and people were like, oh, Drew, we're, we're shocked. We thought you were the naked guy in the field. I'm like, did you see that guy's six-pack? Clearly, I'm not the streaker. And his hair. Well, yeah, he had a man bun. I He had long hair. and looked like Jesus running. I, I running. cut that off your head if you walked in my house. Now, we have a no man bun policy in my home. I'd love to see you with a man bun. Chris, I can't grow one. It's an afro or nothing. My hair gets froey. It never falls below my shoulders. It just gets bigger and badder. 
You should. You know what? More you, soulful. You, Next thing you know, I start. I start snapping. I start uh, skip hopping through your kitchen. You should do the afro then. You'd be like that uh, wrestler Carlito, who had his catchphrase was, "I uh, I think it was I spit in the face of people who don't think I'm cool," which well, is something you would do. That's actually especially <laughs> with your especially with your teeth. That saliva going in all every which way. All I know is this. I played with the calculator over at New York Times. The picture for Buffalo remains rosy despite the fact that we've endured a lot of bullshit over the last couple weeks. We've ranted, we've raved, we've cried in our collective beers, and yet we're still in the hunt. Winning out gives the Bills a 75% chance to host a wild card game. Although with a two-game deficit to the Patriots, the Bills would need a lot of help from Indy this weekend. The collective winning percentage of our remaining opponents outside of New England is not, like, I don't know. It's not good. The Panthers have won two of their last ten games. They're playing musical chairs at quarterback in a two-quarterback system where they're like, well, we'll put in P.J. Williams for some drives, and we'll put in Cam Newton for others. Chris, if you have two quarterbacks... You have none. Okay. (laughs) The Falcons have six wins. With their last three coming against that Panthers team, the hapless Jaguars, and a tight win over the Saints that was a month ago. They have just one game without a turnover on offense in that span. And then you've got the Jets, who, as we discussed earlier tonight, might be one of the saddest teams in football, because while their record is better than Jacksonville's, Jacksonville at least has some young pieces that give them hope. The Jets are a mash unit, and their quarterback is Corporal Klinger. And while a loss to New York... Edit. And while a loss to New England would basically cement the AFCs for the Patriots, winning just three of those games leaves the Bills' wildcard chances sitting at 87% as of today. Yeah, it does drop into the teens... If we lose any of those remaining three quote-unquote easy games and also lose to New England. But hell, the Bills control their own destiny. What more can you ask for than that? That's all you need to have. In a year where you thought your team was going to be the cat's ass, when you thought that you would rule the division, that you were a Super Bowl contender, you're one game above five hundred. Now, you still somehow, after all of this, control your own destiny. Isn't that something? Something to get excited about? You always want to be able to control your own destiny. I mean, we talked with Alf. I mean, they've got the tiebreaker over the Ravens. Head-to-head, they beat them. So with that in mind, I'm going to grab this beer. I'm going to grab this one. And I'm going to ask everyone to say it with me. Goosefraba. Take a deep breath, let it in, let it out. There are favorable dynamics here for us, and there's some favorable dynamics in the AFC race as it just plays out over the course of the entire division, the entire conference. The AFC North. Remember, Chris, earlier in the year when we talked about what a group of juggernauts they were? Yeah. Well, they, they're they the ones George Costanza-ing. You know, they're George Costanza fresh out of the pool. 
We said they'd cannibalize themselves, but now they're in a weird place where they might all just have been overrated. I don't know. The Steelers have one win since November 8th and have a ridiculously difficult road schedule ahead. The Bengals and Ravens, formerly top of the division and flirting with first place in the AFC, have back-to-back losses. The Browns don't have consecutive wins since September. Is that div- is anyone in that division actually a competitive football team? It's like they're all beating up on each other. What? Well, they're not only beating up on each other, but they just can't execute when it matters. What was that? Was it like oh one where the AFC East, like we went eight and eight, and then everybody else went nine and seven in the division? Yes, yes. That's like that's what's happening with the AFC North. <laughs> It's weird, and it's crazy because Lamar Jackson's injury, even if it's not severe, could derail everything that they're capable of doing. Because while Brent Huntley looked good as a fill-in... Tyler. Tyler Huntley, Brent Huntley, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Chris, does it actually matter who the fuck suits up as his backup? He's like Allen. The Buffalo Bills need Josh Allen, right? Yeah. He scores all of our points. He's the only reason we get him. The Ravens are in the same boat, but their team is decimated with injuries. The difference between the two, Jackson's game requires his elusiveness, that rushing threat. And if he plays but doesn't have that rushing threat, like they're like they're talking about, they're saying, well, we'll we're still going to play Jackson this weekend. He's not a great pocket passer, and if you take away the threat of RPO, teams have decimated the Ravens in the playoffs. By keeping him in the pocket and making him throw the football. To who, Chris? Who's he throwing it to? I don't think I don't think Greg Roman is a great play caller when it comes to passing with the first progression to be a wide receiver. No. I think he's great at play calling running plays and then utilizing tight ends. Well, he was a run game coordinator, so yeah. that checks out. It's almost and, like it's almost like the opposite of Dayball, who's like a great pass game caller, but can't call a run play to save his life. Except for the times that he, uh, I don't know, made Peyton Hillis a thing. Do you remember that? Peyton Hillis exists in the NFL vernacular because of Brian Dayball. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. And then he, he made showed the cover up, of Madden! And then he showed up on Madden, and then his career was over. God, if only, the, if only that would happen to Tom Brady. Yeah. If only. <laughs> also, a weird dynamic in the conference right now is that seven-win Denver, not going quietly, they won't go away. And as their team gets healthier, they might not make the playoffs. But for teams like Cincy, L.A., and K.C., they can certainly make things more difficult. Like right now, the way Cincinnati is playing, do you trust them to beat Denver? Cincinnati? I don't know. They lost to San Francisco. They lose to teams that run the ball well. But Burroughs also might have... Pass rush. Good coverage. Burroughs might have a hand injury. Oh, good. That was talked about before last game. But I don't know. I'm I'm not quite there yet with being where you just go all in and trust your quarterback when it comes to Joe Burrow. I, I still think there's uh 
Okay. A few limitations there. L.A. and K.C. still have to make it past Denver. Denver has the ability to not make the playoffs, but play spoiler for a lot of teams. And if they do it well enough, if they can beat K.C. and they can beat the Chargers, all of a sudden they might become a problem for us. (laughs) Chris, there's a lot of volatility in the AFC. So looking ahead to this weekend, here's some of the rooting interest fans should be keeping, keeping an eye on. As I'm at the stadium, and you are all at home in your living rooms watching NFL football this weekend. The first one is Chiefs over the Chargers. I hate rooting for Mahomes. I hate the idea of rooting for the Chiefs to win anything, especially after the way they cheap-shotted their way to the Super Bowl. I mean, even if they did get embarrassed, which I did. Chris, I've rewatched five times this year. I need the Chiefs-Chargers game to be like the Rams and Chiefs Monday night game from like three years ago, or it's 54-51, just for fantasy purposes, because I have Justin Herbert. <laughs> I, here's what I'm looking at. We can't catch the Chiefs, but a loss to the, by the Chargers would give a small boost to the Bills' postseason chances. The Packers over the Ravens. Unlike the Chiefs, we can absolutely catch the Ravens. I mean, especially with Lamar Jackson not being 100%. So the same logic applies. We want to be tied with them by the end of the weekend, right? Broncos over the Bengals. Even with the same record as Buffalo, the Broncos still can't pass us in the standings because of tiebreakers. Meanwhile, the Bengals being pushed another rung down the playoff ladder is good for Buffalo. Considering the more explode, Chris Follomir, we're missing Trey White. We don't have him here in our lineup. Do you want to play a team that is three stud wide receivers? Not really. No. No, no, no. That seems like the perfect opportunity to just like, hey, if you guys can lose, <laughs> I'd like to dodge that team if I can. So it'd be let's, like, it'd let's be all root for Bro- the Broncos this weekend. That would be like uh, the Kansas City-Houston playoff game where Houston's up 24 nothing. Yeah. And then Kansas City just roared back. Yep. Destroyed them. They yep. scored so many points they ran out of fireworks. Yeah, I remember that. The farther we can push the Bengals down the playoff ladder, the better for the Buffalo Bills. Also, the Colts over the Patriots. The two-game lead by New England already feels kind of insurmountable, but if the Colts can beat the Patriots and we can handle our shit when we get to New England, there's a chance next week's game could be for the right... Like, that's it. Next week's game could be for the right... For Buffalo to host a playoff game with fans in the stands for the first time in 20 years. That's the reason I've been doing this, Chris. Is to have the right to watch a wild card game. This seemed like the season it was going to happen. Finally, after a decade. Turns out, the Bills wasted that. Two home... Two home playoff games, and because we transferred ownership rights, we lost out on our tickets. It just, I thought this was supposed to be the year, and yet it hasn't been. I don't know if it will be, 
But the Colts beating New England would go a long way towards giving us a shot at experiencing a full capacity stadium in play. Can you imagine what that's like for Buffalo Bills fans? 20 years of not having a home playoff game. Yeah, full. If we get to host a wild card game, full stadium. God help us if they put us on the Monday night. Yeah. Anarchy. Anarchy. Yeah. It would all come down to what are the playoff matchups because. Well, we know that. Yeah. It, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying. Being able to be there and know that I'm supporting my team in the playoffs. Sh- shit. If, it was the whole reason we got into this. I'd probably put Bills by a touchdown. If we had a home wild card game, doesn't matter who it's against. Yeah, no, doesn't matter <laughs> because I think that the fans, the fans would bring it. That's my point. I want to experience that, and so in order to get there, we need the Colts to win this week. As far as the Patriots go, Mike Debate wanted to be here, couldn't. Family emergency, and Chris, to be honest, I didn't want to make small talk about the Patriots anyway. Yeah, we just hope everything's all all right in the debate family. I hope everything's or debate. Good. I hope th- I hope debate. I will never call him that. Just on principle that he allowed us to call him debate for how many years? Yeah, the right way, right? <laughs> so debate, I hope you're well. Also, I hope your team gets its teeth kicked in, and I will talk to you next week, guys. This is crazy. Bills are on the ropes. Everything's up for grabs. We gotta get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, and this has been your AFC's Roundup. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to eighty-nine percent off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.